My name is Chris Bay and welcome to Just Fucking Win on Saturday at 3. On this episode, myself and the guys will be looking ahead to Rangers' visit to Pataudry as they take on Aberdeen this Sunday at 4.30. Hmm, it's a bit of a weird one, but we'll discuss that, I'm sure. Joining me first of all is Kenny. Kenny, how are you doing? I'm good, mate, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. I'm not too bad. Um, I'm, well, I'm actually quite happy because my next guest, after months of me annoying him, um, and, it, and it was literally months, he's finally succumbed to the pressure and he's going to give me maybe five, ten minutes of his time. Uh, Stevie from Folad. Stevie, how you doing, mate? I am shocked, Christopher, that there was a wee F-bomb already. I'm a yeah. family man. I don't, I don't, you know, this is... I'm shocked already, but yeah, I'm fine, thanks, mate. It's good to be on. It's it's the name of the show, Stephen, and it's taken from a quote from one of our greatest ever figures in the history of our club. Uh, of course, Mr. Watersmith, just fucking one. Um, so, obviously, it's a very blog-tastic um, pod tonight to blog heavyweights. Um, well, one blog heavyweight and a kind of blog welterweight in Kenny. Is that, is that, is that a fair description? Yes. Okay, right. <laughs> I could have been a lot harsher there, but I'm not going to be. Is this a weight thing, Chris? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've told you it's Christmas weight and I'm working on it. Well, I'm not really working on it. But Listen, you... I'm right by your, your weight there, Stevie, don't you worry? Well, speaking of weight, there's a team that we're playing that I actually genuinely think they are one of the heavyweights of Scottish football. Um, maybe they were 30, 40 years ago, but they're kind of relevant to us now. However, uh, we are playing them this Sunday. Um, it is a weird kickoff time. It's away at Petaudry as well. Let's just quickly touch upon that. Um, Stevie, you any insight as to why this is a 4.30 kickoff? Because it's so bizarre. Uh, usually when we play Aberdeen, and it is at the weekend, uh, there's two time slots that we play Aberdeen. It's either at the weekend at 12 o'clock or we play them midweek at quarter to eight. That's that's what it, the way it's been for like a decade, but it's half four this this weekend. It's it's a bit of a bizarre one. FA Cup, my man, and we are lowly Scotland and take yeah. no relevance in Sky Sports. So madness. That's why. Absolute madness. So Aberdeen came into this game six wins on the bounce under their new interim manager Barry Robson. So they are on a right good run of form. Unbelievably, they're five points clear in third place of Hearts. Hearts have obviously totally collapsed. So they've all gone to this game full of confidence. We know their approach to these games when they play us. Um, and this, obviously, getting, getting, getting into this game and this run of form, they will be feeling as if they can get something from this. Kenny, are you at all worried about the run of form that Aberdeen have been on recently? Um, obviously, We've been on a fairly decent run of form ourselves, however, performances haven't been great. So, is this a potential, don't want to say banana skin, because I don't think Rangers Aberdeen games are ever banana skins for either of us, but a, a, a potential um, hiccup in the road? Because obviously, we need to try and build momentum going into next weekend semi final. No, I don't, I don't think it's a banana skin as such, but it's going up to Pataudry. You know what you're going into, you know what you're going to face. Um, they are in a fine run of form. They've won their last six. I don't think they've been beaten since the middle of February or something like that. So, yeah, they're playing well. But, listen, if we turn up and do you know, do our job professionally, then I would fully expect us to come back down the road with the three points. And if we could get two in the last minute again, that would be glorious, wouldn't it? Uh, I, I mean, it wouldn't do much for the old kind of tackle because I, I remember how raging I was in the 92nd minute when we were 2-1 down and then it was just pure elation <laughs> like five minutes later. It was quite a, an unbelievable turnaround, but um, if you're offering me that now, I would take it. 
Stevie, as a kind of qualified referee, I do want to talk about one thing um, in regards to Aberdeen. Obviously, there's no Graham Shinney this weekend for Aberdeen. He was given a free match ban plus uh, an additional games ban because of an unsuccessful appeal, something which is, I was going to say, very rarely invoked. I can't remember a time where it's ever been invoked, so I really don't understand why the SFA have done that. Not that I'm coming to Aberdeen's defence, but just on the tackle itself, there's been a lot of debate about it. Um, I don't see where the debate is. It's a red card. It's it's dangerous. It's dangerous play. I, I don't see it at all. I know Kenny will probably come in here after you because I think he disagrees with me. But where do you sit on it? Um, first of all, I think it's really funny that Aberdeen have been given an extra game. Um, the only one I re- uh, remember is is Porteous got an extra game as well. So maybe the SFA aren't as bad as we think. But um, when you go that far, mate. Um, I I'll say what I said last week. I, I think it's a really close call. I understand why the red, but. Right, football's a contact sport, and I just think that Ross County guy went into him as well. He won the ball. He's going through, but it's not like he hits him high. People go on about endangering players and that. You endanger a, a player every time you tackle in football. I mean, anything can happen. Was he overly endangering or stuff like that? I'm not, ent- look, I'm not entirely sure. It's a different game than when I watched 20-odd years ago. Mm. Um, so I, I completely understand why it's a red. But I also understand the other side of the argument as well. And I understand like professionals and that saying it's not because they, they play in it and they understand what it's like every day. But the laws are the laws are the laws, Chris. It's not up to us to, you know, try and um decipher them or whatever. It's just up to us to carry them out. So it's a difficult one. Um but I, I do I, I still think it's genuinely close. A lot of people said it's a lot like Ryan Jack and up at Patodra. I don't think the tackles are anyway similar. Ryan Jack, when he tackled up there, actually his foot got stuck and it and it looked like he was actually sticking on the ankle. This one from Shinny was just a, it's more or less like a slap contact. It's like a a, a motion contact as such. Yeah. But um, he hits him in his shin. It's not high. Um, As, isn't the argument so, that his foot was above the ball though? No, his foot wasn't above the ball though because he played through the ball. So I, I don't I don't agree with that at all. If he went over the ball or that, then yeah, it would be knee height and it would be absolutely fine. I wouldn't disagree with it at all. But when you look at some of the precedents before as well, the likes of I'll say again about Nicky Clark. Nicky Clark hit Ryan Jack knee high and mm-hmm. has got revoked as well. So I just I, I think there's a lack of consistency which upsets a lot of people as well. So I'm not look I I'm just as I said I couldn't care less about Aberdeen or, or them or Graham Shinney or whatever I don't think it hurts us either way really but um, I, I just think it's closer than it being a red card endangering players um, and endangering them but I, I just don't think it's that that clear cut so it's a really close one for me but red's given I understand it I'm just not sure it's like people going on it's a stone wall and endangering and everything else it, it, I don't think it is Kenny one thing for sure uh I know Stevie said he doesn't care about Aberdeen or Shinney, and, and I totally uh, I, I agree with him there, I concur there, but one thing for sure is no Shinney for Aberdeen is a, is a positive for Rangers because uh, we know his style of play. He's a very tenacious player. He likes to get stuck in, um, and he he genuinely could be a danger to, to guys like Cantwell and Raskin, who we really need to wrap up in cotton wool because obviously we've got a bigger game coming up the weekend after this. Well, they'll just find somebody else to to do that anyway so I'm not really convinced with that but at the same time listen going back to the, the attack I don't even uh, to me it's definitely not a red card but then again I'm I'm that bit older and 
stuck in my ways a little bit with these things. And to me, he's just won the ball. It's not his fault the guy is coming in for the wrong side. Uh, but at the same time, going by the letter of the, the letter of the law now, I think it is probably a red card. It's, I've not seen uh, a 50-50 split like this on a tackle that's led to a red card uh, all season. Um, and then you look at last night's game in Man City with the, with the handballs. Uh, the people making these decisions, you know, not the referees here, by the way, it's, uh, what's it, is it, I, what's the name I, of the? I, I, Ifab Delomi. Ifa, I thought that. Uh, they really do need to get actual footballers and referees involved before they before they make these rules up because it, the game's becoming unplayable, I think. Um, but sorry, to go back to your point, um, look, Shinny's a decent enough player, but they've got a decent squad of players as well, so they'll just bring somebody in with an almost equal ability who will go about kicking and scratching for everything on Sunday. So, um, yeah, it makes no difference to me whether he plays or not, to be honest, Chris. Yep, yeah, that's, that's fair enough. A um, couple more points on Aberdeen before we start talking about Rangers. Um, obviously, on the, the subject of Aberdeen personnel, there, there is one player I do want to highlight, and it's Duke. Uh, what I highlight him for two reasons. One, he is obviously going to be their danger man. He's in a rich vein of form at the moment. Seems to be a very good player as well. And the, the second reason is there's, there's obviously rumours that, that... I'm saying rumours, it's, it's pretty much just noise on social media. Rangers fans saying that we should sign him because it looks like he is going to be on his way uh, this summer. Um Stevie, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think even you would agree that he is a very decent player um, and he is someone who probably could cause our defence in its current form some issues. Um, is, is is he someone that you think would fit into our system or is it just complete waste of time even talking about it because that's all it is. It's just speculation created by the fans. There's absolutely nothing in it. Before we talk about it, I think it's hilarious that you see some guys going on about how Duke would be wonderful for Rangers. Um, you know, he's scoring loads of goals and he's got really high goal tally. And then on the same hand, they say, I wouldn't sign Malik Tillman because uh, <laughs> well, he's, a, he's he's not scored in the big games. I, I think that's absolutely hilarious when you look at Duke's output and what Malik Tillman's done um, from, from, from midfield. So I, I sometimes I find the irony in that quite funny. But would I sign Duke? The answer is no. Um, I think that. I think he's decent enough, but you know we've we've been in a position before, and and I've watched him as well. I don't think I just don't think he would suit where we are. Um, yeah, he can finish and should never kind of diminish a, a player that can can score goals, but I don't think he's got all round great technique. He looks quite clumsy at times. I watched him in that Ross County game. And he scored he scored a decent enough finish. He took it nice and early, but his all round game. He works hard. He puts in a shift. I get that, and I thought that was fairly decent, but I didn't see technique that I thought right. You know, I'm looking at him and has he got the capability of stepping over the ball and taking players on or is he just all about pace? And, and we've seen these type of players yeah. before come to Rangers and, and fail because it's all right having pace. You know, um, Rabi Matondo's got a world of pace, but there's never any space, you know, to, to play into it. And yes, he had a, a decent wee moment against St Mirren who were, you know, just conceded twice in quick um, succession and were fairly pushing up for some ungodly reason. And they left an, an acre of space. So I, I get that he's had a, a wee flash moment, but he's, he's suffered because he's not found that pace. Would Duke come in and then get the exact same thing? I'm pretty sure it would be. And and for all the people that say they won't spend £5 million on Tillman, I'm afraid you'd be looking at the exact same on Duke. So 
Well, it's a non, it's a non-starter for me, Chris, and I don't think he's even good enough technically and and what we need for us anyway. If you were asking me if this boy was available a million or that, would you look at it? That's a different proposition. Totally agree. But, but for what we we're looking at and where he is, nah, he's he's not for me. But he is dangerous in their system, and he's dangerous for how they play him because he will get space against us because we will look to not sit deep and look to go and try and win the game. So he'll be a danger on Sunday, but no more than Michael O'Halloran used to be for St. Johnston. That's the kind of levels I'm looking at. So I'm not if, if we manage it properly, then I'm not bothered about Aberdeen in the absolute slightest. They seem to think this is a big game on Sunday. Oh, I, know, I know. It's, it's not. This yes. is another game for Rangers. And in all honesty, without sounding all you know unstaunch and everything else, the league's gone. There's nothing on Sunday that we're going to find out that we don't already know. If it was me and we're looking ahead to next Sunday, I would be looking at maybe resting one or two because it, regardless of what happens on Sunday, it doesn't make the slightest bit of difference. I'm going to come on to what we think Michael Wheel might do. Um, just before I come on to that, we'll round up Aberdeen. Um, I totally agree with what you said there about Duke as well. If if he was available for you know a million, even a million and a half, I would probably be inclined to... Um, be okay with Rangers um, looking at them, uh, but Aberdeen. Now, there's this whole thing about the Rangers tax. I don't, uh, I don't believe in it. I don't think it's a thing. I think it's a bit of a myth. When you ask people for examples, they have to go back to Duncan Ferguson um, and 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 such because it's just, as I say, I just don't believe it's a thing where clubs outprice us and then sell them for lesser to a similar club in the same division. You know who I'm talking about, or even down south. But Aberdeen have already come out and said it will take three, four million because they got Duke for nothing and told Benfica, well, never told, but Benfica inserted a clause where whatever Aberdeen sell Duke for, they get 50%. So they're going to try and absolutely maximise the value of, of the player. So because of that, I would say no. I would agree with you, Stevie. I don't think he's good enough. And then when you consider that we can get Malik Tillman for maybe a million or two more than what we would get for Duke, and Tillman is three, four, five times the player that Duke is, um, we, we should be looking elsewhere. Um, just to round up Aberdeen, Kenny, uh, I wasn't actually going to mention this, but I think I'm, I'm going to mention it because the reaction to it is exactly as expected by just about everyone else in Scotland. And if this had happened to Celtic, for example, there would literally be inquiries in the Parliament in the Scottish Parliament, but Aberdeen put a, a tweet out. Um, they never referred to us this referred to us this by uh, name in the tweet, but the tweet alluded to the fact that we are, in their opinion, Huns. And the the quote was, um, "Let's get down to business." And I think it's from a Disney. Um, it's a Disney movie where the actual quote is, "Let's get down to business and kill the Huns." And that's coming from the official. Aberdeen Twitter account, it's so fucking small time, and it goes back to what Stevie said there where I'm in completely agreeing with him again this game just does not matter to us at all in the slightest, we can win it, draw or or get beat and we won't learn anything new, we won't be our mood won't be affected greatly by it it's just a meaningless game that once again Aberdeen have built up to almost fever pitch and they're more than likely going to choke in it. It's it's so, so small time. Um, just 
round, round up Aberdeen here for me before we can move on to the all-thing Rangers because uh, I think we've gave them a wee bit enough time here. Um, that's small time, isn't it? That's just quite tacky and pathetic and utterly unsurprising of a club like Aberdeen. Um, listen, they are an irrelevance. There is no getting away from, from that for us, but we're a big thing for them for some reason. I actually heard David Edgar a couple of days ago talking about that, and he actually said that, that they still think there's a rivalry here. Um, listen, in all, in all truth, with Aberdeen, there hasn't been a ri- rivalry with Aberdeen for Rangers or Rangers fans for 25 years. They, they, they just don't mean anything to us. Um, they, they're sitting there, what is it, 30 points behind? Or is it something like that at the minute? 29 points behind? There's no rivalry, there is no relevance to them. And as Stevie has just mentioned, and I agree with him, this game's kind of a nothing game for us. It's it's get it out of the way and get to the the last game of the season that means anything for us in the sense of if we if we have to win it next Sunday, then we've got another game that means something. But that's it. Um, they, they are just another Premier League team to us, or to me anyway, Chris, that's what I would say. We uh, we scored two goals in the last minute to go from 3-2 down to 4-3 up, which was unprecedented in our history in the 95th minute or whenever it was. I think it's the only time we've ever done it to actually come from behind and win it in a game like that. Do you know how many people still talk about that? Uh, aye. Nobody cares. Very good point. Nobody so cares. That, that's how much Aberdeen mean to us. Because if they were so-called rivals and big teams and this was a derby or whatever it is they try and build up in their tiny minds, we would be lording it over them because it was it, it was a, a genuinely brilliant moment. But Rangers fans don't go on about it. Like Nobody cares. It was good for a day or so on social media laughing at them and their reaction. But aside of that, that's, that's exactly what they mean to us. Stevie, are you referring to the December game? Yeah. Well, that what you just said there completely sums up how meaningless that is because we were actually two one down and we brought it back to three two. You can't even remember the score. That's how meaningless that. it is. And, and I'm not I'm not digging you out by the way. I'm just proving a point that I totally agree with you. Like it is something that if if we done that against Celtic, that'd be spoken about for years, for years and years. And as you said, Stevie, we've done it against Aberdeen, and who cares? We move on. It's it's so, it's so irrelevant. Um, and I, uh, again, don't want you to think I'm digging you out there. I'm just making a point that it was that meaningless to us that um, the scoreline didn't even, uh, you know, register we. Um, and it's be polite to your guests, Chris. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I, I didn't think you were digging, but I just generally, honestly, couldn't remember if it was four three three two whatever it was, but. I think it just highlights what we're saying. It does. It absolutely sums up what well, look, we're talking let's, about here. Let's, let's, let's move on to us. And, um, look, Steve, I, I want to come to you uh, specifically about the, this point because um, I know you've been very vocal on this uh, particular player. Now, uh, Ben Davis obviously was substituted at the weekend when the game was in the balance. Uh, it was uh, two each at the time. And we then obviously went on to win 5-2. Now, in my opinion, and I expressed this on social, uh, social media, he got hooked because he was he was poor. Um, and people said, no, it was a tactical change. People who were defending Ben Davis were saying it was a tactical change. But my counter-argument to that was, really, it's a tactical change to take Ben Davis off and put John Lundstrom back in defence. Where's the tactic there? I, I, I didn't understand it. Um, so for me, I, I maintain he got hooked because... Uh, 
it was just so poor. Now, has this given uh, Michael B a wee bit of food for thought? Do you expect him to start on Sunday? Perhaps Leon King, will he come in for him? And I suppose the, the, the wider point here that I'm trying to make is, will it be Suter that starts with Goldson in the semi-final? Because I, f- I, I genuinely think that Michael Beale's annoyance at that defending, especially in the first half, was more directed to Ben Davis than it was to John Suter, rather than a collective. It, it did kind of put it out as the team didn't defend well, but I think we could sort of read between the lines there of what he meant because we all watched it. And Ben Davis is a very fine footballer. He is. But you need to be physical up here, and he just hasn't got that at all. And Aberdeen are going to be physical. And Celtic won't be as physical, but their movement has shown time and time again in the last three old fun derbies, Ben Davis cannot cope with Kyogo's movement. So is this possibly going to be a chance for John Suter to impress? It's a chance for John Suter, yeah, absolutely. I think so. I asked him the question last week in the presser that is he comfortable playing the left-hand side and can he play there? And he said he was more than comfortable on the left-hand side. So that was an interesting thing. But um, look, I think I'm, I'm on record. You know, what I've said about Ben Davis is I think that anybody that doubted what I said at the time must surely think now that it's it's a viable opinion because I said at the time he's nice on the ball. Positionally, he's OK um, and, he, and he looks good because he's naturally left-sided, so he's more comfortable fit and things like that. And what I highlighted at the time is that I didn't think he was a very good defender and an actual defender, as in one-to-one moments, one-to-one duels, being able to track runners and actually defend. And what we've seen since... You look at goals in the semi-final, you look at goals at Rugby Park, you look at goals in the League Cup final, and then Parkhead, St Mirren there at the weekend again. I'm not sure that anything that I've said is unfair mm. and that it's untrue. So I, I think that £4 million for somebody that lacks you know, the basics that we need is really poor business. So John Suter will probably not have a, a better chance to um, put a claim in on Sunday, but ironically, either way, I don't think that it's enough for Michael Beale to make the change unless he has an absolute stinker on Sunday, Ben Davis, which I hope he doesn't. It's not the time for Leon King either. I'd be quite happy to see Leon go and do a, a year on loan, I think, in the summer. That would be a good move for him. But with regards to, to Ben Davis, um, what I would say to people is, who would you rather have, Ben Davis or Philip Lander? And every mm-hmm. single one of us would choose Philip Lander. So I think in that that terms, we needed possibly better than Philip Hollander or somebody that could push him. Ben Davis doesn't push Philip Hollander. He's, he's nowhere near it. Yeah. So we need, again, to go and strengthen that position in the summer. Now, Michael Beale commented immediately when he came in and said, we need a new centre-half. Yeah. So I don't for one second believe that he was fooled into thinking that we were sound or we were, we were strong enough at the back. So, look, it's nothing personal with Ben Davis. No. But... I've just I I just never felt comfortable with him from the very start. I don't feel comfortable watching him now. It feels like there's a mistake in him, and I I don't think he's he's shown his best form with us. And I think steadily the last couple of weeks he's got worse. So has John Suter got a chance? Yes, he absolutely has. Has he shown brilliant form since he came back in? No. So it's Sunday's a big one possibly for them too. But with regards to us going on. For the future, it's, it's another position which Michael Beale has to try and sort in the summer. And if we're going to be spending four million, Chris, I certainly want a lot better than a guy that, that physically just isn't up to it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Kenny, you want to come in though? 
Yeah, just a, just about uh, what you mentioned about Michael Beale uh, taking him off. Listen, I, I said it to you last week, and I've been saying it for a while now. I don't know what Stevie thinks, but I've, I'm beginning to get the feeling that Michael Beale's losing a lot of patience with a few of these players, uh, and Ben Davis was one of them, I think, at the weekend. Um, I, I, I just kind of agree with Stevie there that, that, that you need more from him. Uh, this is St Myrna playing and he was pretty appalling on the day, I thought. And I think Michael Beale's just putting a marker down at the minute. Yeah. I, I've had a, a bit of a kind of long-running discussion with Michael Beale, which started when he first came in, which was my point of view that this squad needs to be ripped up and, and start again. He's come back a couple of times. You would have heard it in pressers and say that it's a revamp. I revisited it after the League Cup final and asked him straight out, now do you understand why having been let down by every single player in that park, we talk about this squad needing ripped up. And it was the first time publicly that he'd ever come back to me and said that he he understood, but he still thinks that a revamp's necessary. Now, if you watch the change in Michael Beale and listen to what he actually says, and he does say a lot, granted, he's spoken more and more about a revamp and players having to be moved on that, that may be involved in transfers. So I think that the more that this has went on and the more it's progressed, I think if you spoke to him in the light of day, he probably still wouldn't agree with what is a kind of cutthroat attitude that I have with a lot of these guys, but he would say that he probably understood it more, I would imagine, but he's, I, I don't think he would be where I am with, um, with the squad and probably where most of the support are. But I think it's, it's definitely changed with his whole tone and his whole demeanour. I'm not entirely sure it's definitely Ben Davis or, or people like that, but I think he probably just looks at some of their form and some of their individual performances and probably thinks that it's miles away from what he demands and where he thinks. And, you know, what he said about Alfredo Morelos, I think it was after the cup game, um, after Thistle possibly, was it was absolutely fair and probably what every single one of us thought. And he went back on it a wee bit and understood why he did it. But I wouldn't be surprised if he shares us a level of frustration, Kenny, just like you're kind of saying across the board of some of the ones that are playing. Um, he's not got, he's got a collective team kick result-wise, but individually he's not managed to pick up probably as many as he would have. And that, that maybe, yeah. that maybe will, will have a huge bearing on, on what he's going to do. But there is, there is big decisions, you know, guys like Barisic arguably have responded to him. So that's maybe, you know, kind of shaping where he is and on certain things, but for others that he maybe thought he could have got a lift out of, I don't think he has. And some of them might have, have even surprised him with the levels they're at. But I do think that Beal, um, I think there's probably a degree of truth in that, Kenny, somewhere that, that Beal is perhaps um, beginning to think probably there's there's more changes than, than necessary. But I don't think, again, just to repeat, you know, I would be quite happy to march this squad out the door. I'm not sure that he's quite where I am. No, I understand that. And that's what I mean. I, I think he's just getting exasperated a little bit by some of the things that he's watching at times. We're losing far too many goals, Stevie, as you know, and, and it, I think that on Saturday, I think was where he, there was a little snap in his head. I, I just got that feeling that he'd had enough um, of watching some of the basic errors that we're making at times. That was all, really. I think that when you talk about when Chris, see when you mentioned Ben Davis. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at the build-up to that second goal, now he's not directly involved in it, but there's a passage of play that comes and leads to it. He gets stripped by Curtis Main down Curtis the line. Main, yeah, absolutely doesn't. Now, the lack of effort, right, and I'm talking about a half-paced jog, 
the lack of effort to get back, the lack of effort to match the endeavour and the enthusiasm of, of Curtis Main, that's indicative of, of where Ben Davis' performance was on Saturday. Now the corner comes in, we don't deal with it. I think it's Suter heads it down and Lundstrom kind of fluffs the clearance and the boy rattles it in. But just like the first, we're, we're so static and standstill. And Ben Davis and the lead up to that and that corner being one was... It's not only... Look, see if you match a boy full on and and they double up and, and he gets he gets ahead he and still manages to whip in across fine it happens sometimes players are just better in a moment or they're faster or whatever but when you put a half arse to effort in like that and and people really need to go back and watch it if you're wondering what I'm talking about the the effort that he put in to stop that cross and to stop him going past I it was it was it was ridiculous. So I wouldn't be surprised if that had some bearing on, on why he went off because that was this sort of afternoon that he had not only him but he got caught um, I think there was a few of us that, that our heads were elsewhere it was very much like an end of season game but Ben Davis certainly did himself no favours again Well that's it Stephen because you know very little of this squad actually have any credit in the bank um, Cantwell and Raskin obviously do uh, because they've come in and made an immediate impact but the the rest, Tillman probably get credit in the bank, um, but I, I think that's it. The rest, Tav obviously, um, but the rest have got something to prove. You know, they're playing for their, their future. If they want to beat Rangers, they they, they can't afford to be of the mindset that we are um, when we're going to Ibrox to watch Rangers play at Mon when we're twelve points behind with like six seven games to go. Of course, it's an end of season game. Of course, it's meaningless, but it shouldn't be meaningless to them. They should be showing us that they want to stay here and they want to fight for us on that park. And there's so many of them, uh, and I'm very much with you in this, Stevie. That I'm just so done with them. Uh, you mentioned one there, Bonner Barisic. He has responded to people. He has actually, in fairness to Paul Navarisic, he has had a decent season. But we just cannot go forward with him. We just cannot go. And I'm not saying Red Van Yomas is the answer. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm yet, I've yet to see that. But Paul Navarisic, for, for all he's had a decent season, um, he is not the type of player that I want um, going to the trenches for us and fighting for three points and fighting for trophies because there will come a point where when they go and get stuff, Bonner will go missing um, and you know it's coming uh, he's actually due one which is giving me anxiety for this semi-final uh, and it's it's guys like that that you, you have they need to stand up and be grounded and Ben Davis is certainly in that category because he's not done enough to prove to us. You mentioned Philip Hollander. Uh, absolutely, I'd have a fully fit Philip Hollander keeps Ben Davis out of the team all day long, yet Ben Davis costs almost double down. It's mind-blowing uh, that we sanctioned this deal and the deal happened so quickly that it was almost, you can almost point to it being a bit of a panic. He was available. We signed, we sold Bassey uh, one day and then the very next day Ben Davis was up at Ibrox. It, I don't think much research was done into the, the signing myself. Uh, I think it was just pretty much done and dusted because it was available. And uh, yeah, he's for four million pounds. I've I, I see a I see him maybe a one one and a half two million pound player um, who is quite clearly not the. We're never going to get the finished article, but it's quite clearly not. Um, the, the defender that we would desire, but at four million, I expect close to the defender that we desire. Um, and yeah, uh, for me, uh, he has to be one of the ones on the list to go uh, next season as well. But just on Michael Beale, obviously what you're saying there, Stevie, he done an interview with TalkSport with Ali, 
and he actually said himself that he's looking for uh, 45 players. Now, I think this has been taken out of context a little bit, so maybe you could um, sort of clear this up, Stevie, uh, if you can, of course. Now, people are getting their knickers in the twist a wee bit about this, and quite uh, funny, funnily enough, I'm not one of them because I actually understood what he meant. He means four or five starters. Obviously, we're going to sign more than four or five players. There, there will be a few squad full, uh, squad full of players there, maybe two or three that will be in and around the squad, but won't be actual first team starters. Uh, so, interpret that as four or five quality additions that are going to come in and improve the start of loving immediately, and then we'll bring in, you know, uh, rotation players and players who play a part off the bench from the season. Is that how you took it, or does he literally mean four or five, and that's it? Because if that is what he means, then yeah, I will be worried. I uh, I love Michael Beal. I have a fantastic relationship with him. Um, always have done. Um, we got on quite well, but I I don't listen to anything he's got to say because he's giving you he's giving you stock answers, Chris. Like he can't come out and say I need eleven players, Ali. Yeah. You know it can't happen that way. So I think you know four or five. Him, he's just giving you an answer that that sounds politically correct. What Michael Beale does in the summer, are you telling me that Michael Beale thinks we need four or five players potentially with McGregor, um, Morelos and, and Kent all leaving from, from his regular first 11 and then losing the likes of Davies, um, Davis, sorry, um, Arfield, etc. from Hollander from the pool that he thinks four or five are going to cut it? Now, I think what you're saying is absolutely correct in that he wants four or five first-team signing starters, and then he might want two or three medium guys that can push and maybe get in. He might want one or two lone guys or whatever, but if anyone thinks it, our business, and you know, and they're getting hung up on, and this is what I'm talking about, social media and that, they get hung up and they, they, they absolutely go on about, you know, the whole kind of furor of who he was in Rome today and who's he speak to. He wasn't in Rome today, he was taking training. And... Um, you know, I, I think there's a wee bit of, of Michael Beale that knows what he's doing and knows he has everyone guessing and on tender hooks as well. So he's he's doing a lot. He, he, when he does press, you know, he says a lot. He says too much sometimes for me. Uh, Aye, well, listen, I think it's because we're all used to Geo. Geo was very short, abrupt and kind of cutthroat. He gave you absolutely nothing. I like what Michael Beale gives you. He's a talker and he likes to talk about football, understand that and I like it. But um, I, I, I don't put much stock in exactly what he's saying. He doesn't give you, you know, he he basically said last week that you're going to understand the links and you're going to see. So is that everyone that he's ever trained with he's going to say? No, it's just same as in January. I don't put much kind of value on everything that he says because it's just he's he's giving you a, a kind of politician answers and stuff and he's, he's still learning the trade as well. So no, when he said four or five, I was a bit, meh, well, we'll see what happens. I expect it to be double that, so... We'll yeah. see. Can I just add to that a wee second? Can I just say something? I actually think Michael Beale plays the media very, very well, actually. Um, I, I think he's... Th- that openness that people, you know, are kind of split on, whether they like it or dislike it, I actually really do like it because I think he... I, I tend to agree with Steve. I, I think he's just... Everything's political about, about what he says. I don't... I think it's almost throwaway a lot of the time. I wouldn't read too much into anything that he says at times. To the press in particular, to be honest. Yeah, um, we do have a couple of um, any other business uh, 
issues to raise here and have a small discussion about. But Stevie, having the opportunity to get you on, obviously you're a very busy man, so I, I can't get you on as often as I can. So it'd be remiss of me not to bring this up and get your thoughts on it. Um, I know your thoughts, but obviously the, the listeners may not actually uh, know the thoughts. So Ross Wilson's departure, what's your thoughts on that? Welcomed. Um, I think that my position again on Ross Wilson is, has been quite clear. Um, a succession of really poor windows, a succession of really poor buys, and and at key times, which I think is vital. When you look at last January, when Gio really needed urgent bodies in that he could trust, we, we ended up with four um, signings, which John Suter we couldn't get until the summer. Aaron Ramsey he clearly never fancied. Now, Aaron Ramsey was fit the time he was at Ibrooks. He just wasn't selected, and that, that came from Aaron Ramsey. So he's spoken about it. Um, Zukowski, who, you know, some of the players have described as possibly never seen a football before in his life, hasn't got a, a, a game for the team he's on loan to and probably will end up stuck back at us. So, no, I don't... That January, we had a, a gap. It was time to kick on. It was time to spend the, the kind of Nathan Patterson money. Not all of it entirely, but whatever we got for it as, as kind of pertinently as we can. And we didn't. In the summer, he spent... 12, 14 million on Red Van Yomas, um, Ben Davies, Rabbi Matondo and Antonio Cholak and none of them thus far have proved that they're really, really good enough for, for Rangers and what's needed. So that's 14 million. Now the problem that I've got is that we don't have, and it's everybody's problem actually, but we don't have bucket loads of cash. So when we enter into the market, we've got to get it right. And it's alright people saying, oh he's, he's dealing in a really difficult market. Yeah, he absolutely is. But I see other teams getting it right, paying £1.5 million for championship and first division players and stuff and getting it right. Now, Michael Beale and, and Stephen Gerrard had a very small amount of money to spend, but they got it more right than they got wrong. Yeah, there was a few horrors in there. There was a Gresda here and there and whatever. But over over the piece, they, they got it right. Um, and, and Ross Wilson didn't. So you will never, ever convince me, and this is something we spoke about before, that um, that Giovanni Van Bronckhurst had a massive say in them signings. So you'll never ever convince me that that happened. So um, his departure for me is a very good thing. Um, I think we're one or two more shy potentially of, of creating a situation that the fans are happy with mm-hmm. um, from the boardroom side of it. And then, you know, it's about getting the other things right, Chris. And I wrote about this actually for the Rangers Review that Rangers need to get in a position where they go and examine the medical department, they go and examine the scouting department, they go and examine, examine the scout uh, the academy, and they make subtle changes that are necessary and required, especially to things like medical. And we don't need to shout about these things, they don't need to make it a big deal, they just need to fix them, because I think it's clear to a lot of us that they aren't working the way they are, and that's all a football department that Ross Wilson was, was going to oversee. So... The overall job that he's done when you look at the B team under 18s, under 16s, when there's such a massive recruitment and things at that level and you look at where they are and what, you know. And the, the, the women's team as well, Stephen? I'm not, you know, listen, um, his big thing when he left from the chairman was the, the integration of the women's team and um, overall football and department. I'm, I'm sorry, like that's not a consolation for the job that he should be doing, which is a squad that's massively diminished in value. You've got key assets about to walk out the door. He's He's been poor in, in selling people at the right time. Overall, 
Um, he's not been strong enough when he's been dealing with with managers, etc. And that's all. It's just a, a, an overall failing in in director of football. Wise, he done well in getting money last summer. I understand that completely, but overall, the, the situation he's left that squad and the money he spent in that. No, he's he's a welcome departure for me, Chris. Um, I'll be a lot happier if Michael Beale leads the charge in the summer for recruitment, along with John Park, which he seems to be doing. Yeah, uh, amen to that. Um, you've done that in a very amicable uh, fashion, Steve, because I, I, I fail to be amicable when I'm discussing Ross Wilson. So uh, It's easier than saying he was fucking useless. Uh, well, that's <laughs> that was always my argument. <laughs> and, and am I wrong? Um, listen, you make a good point there about the state of the squad. That's my next thing that I'm going to uh, touch upon. Kenny, Ryan Kent, potentially going to Burnley. There's rumours uh, ramping up there. Um, I'm still convinced that Ryan Kent will be a Rangers player uh, next season. Um, out of all the out-of-contract players, um, or, or the key out-of-contract players, uh, which is Morelos and Kent, really, because uh, I think Jack's a nailed-on um, extension. So, out of Kent and Morelos, I think Kent will be the one to stay, and I, I base that purely on the relationship that he has with Michael Beale. I think Michael Beale will get it on the line. I think Michael Beale wants him to stay, and I think he's persuasive enough to, to make that happen. Um, now, I, I've heard a lot from a lot of people that I respect. I've heard a lot from my people that I've actually called friends who I would now I wouldn't use the word turned on Ryan Kent. I think they're just done with Ryan Kent. And I totally understand that. But I uh, I would like him to stay. Um I would like him to get a full preseason under Michael Beale and then sort of just unleash him. I do think the shackles are still on him a little bit. I think he's still in geo mode. Um and if we can keep him in the next season Unleash them, take the shackles off. You be a, a, a maverick. Um, essentially, he's, he's 55 old. I believe he has a part to play, but I also understand the argument that people are done with him now because of his poor, well, very poor season that he's had. Kenny, where, where are you on it? Um, do, do you think it's best just taking a cut the cord, cord with Ryan Kent now and, and part ways? And just, it, it, it's a wee bit harsh to describe it the way I'm about to describe it, but just write it off uh, because first. Did we get £7 million worth? People can argue, obviously, 55, the Scottish Cup, the Europa League run. But for £7 million, you, you, you have to expect a better output, which is the argument. But I do think there, I think there is an argument there to keep them, and I really would like them to stay. Uh, where do I stand? But I don't really know, actually. Um, as for uh, value for money at the £7 million over the, the five years, yes, I think we probably have had decent value out of them. Uh, he's been tremendous in Europe. He's had a couple of really good seasons domestically. Um, this season's been a horror show for him, but it's been a horror show for most of them, to be fair. So uh, he's playing in a team that uh, haven't played to his strengths to a certain degree. But then again, when he, you know, when he has had opportunities, you know, you know, opportunities he's failed to take them. Um, I don't really know where I stand here, Chris, with so many of them. Uh, I fully expect out of the, I think it's eight that are out of contract, I expect two or three to stay and no more. Uh, I think Ryan Jack will stay. I don't think Morelos will stay. I think he's definitely gone. Uh, I think Michael Bill probably would want to keep Ryan Kent because he knows him and he trusts him. But I'm not privy to any kind of inside information on that. But what I will say to you is... Uh, trying to be quick about this. Look, he's he's played in a league where he plays each each team a minimum of three times. So he's been here five years. So if you think about it, he's played each and every 
uh, individual opponent 15 times or more. Um, and you've got to be honest here, uh, you know, anybody that's played football will understand this, that even a, a game of five or six aside, see, the more you play against someone, the more you know exactly what they're going to do, and it becomes more and more difficult for a guy like that, particularly when he can't use his pace because they're all sitting playing with this low block. And, you, you know, I, I actually feel quite sorry for him at times when I watch him because he can't shoot for toffee. Why that is, I don't quite know, because he could when he got here. Um, he, he's struggling to beat individual opponents at times. Um, so I, I, I'm going to haver. I'm just havering on. Actually. I don't really know uh, where I stand with it, Chris. If he stays, I'll probably be quite happy, to be honest. But if he goes, I'm not going to be disappointed either. So I think that's probably where I stand or sit, is on the fence on it. I don't really know. What we say about Ryan Kane is that a couple of months ago, I would have fought um, tooth and nail anybody in an argument that we should go about keeping him and do our level best to keep him. But I've watched his performances, especially in the big games and the old firms, and he's, and he's checked out mentally for me. I don't think he's got the desire anymore that he once had and if that's the case we should shake his hand and wish him all the best because if he's not in the building and I don't think he is then it's it's time for us to to let him go because he's he's going to command a big wage Chris he's going to command that first team position every time but if he's if he's already teetering on the brink of, of not being here anymore and mentally maybe wanting to be somewhere else, then, then he's, his time at Rangers is at an end. And I would go as far as to say that if there's any truth in this Burnley deal and that, that he is in talks and stuff like that, he wouldn't play again for me for Rangers because it's not like we're losing a massive amount at the moment because he's not performing the last couple of months anyway. If he was on top form, I could completely understand with people saying we shouldn't weaken ourselves and he shouldn't uh, we shouldn't you know cut off our nose to spite our face that's all absolutely correct and i would i would say that you know alfredo morelos is still contributing so i would play him before i would play ryan kent at this moment in time because ryan kent is not um, committed and he's not performing for rangers for me to the levels that we expect and he can be so that's where i am with with ryan kent if ryan kent stays it needs to be a massive sea change in, in attitude and performance levels from where he is uh, uh, no, that's that's fair. Um, so as I was alluding to there, a couple of more bits of news. There, there was another share issue. Uh, Rangers fans, uh, I've never known us to be so engrossed in um, the, the issue of shares. It's a common tactic, if, if you will, for a better word, that the sport have used over the years to um, invest new money in the club. Um, I don't see it as a negative, perhaps, supporters of Dave King or, or Dave King himself will see it as a negative because obviously it's reducing his value of shares and um, but other than that it doesn't affect the fan base uh money's getting into the club so all in all it's a good thing so unless you own shares I'm not really sure why people are getting their knickers in a twist about this Stevie can you shine any light on this perhaps if I missed something here or is that pretty much accurate well we voted at the AGM and voted in the board's ability to issue shares and, and raise funds whenever they, they deem necessary. So what they're clearly doing, and this is the dip points in the year when you don't have European football income, you don't have match the income and things, that these are predominantly the months where you need to top up. Now, we know because they told us that um, the, the two million or, or just below the two million they raised a couple of weeks ago was used to, to fund... Um, ongoing repairs at Ibrox to finish off 
um, Edmondson House and to, to spend half a million on new equipment at the training ground. So that was all kind of that was answers that we managed to get. The recent £750,000, I should imagine, will just be to, to continue to do the work that they're doing around the grounds or fitting new floodlights or buying new machinery. That's all ongoing. So while they've got the opportunity to, um, to, to make more shares and do that, then that's what they're going to do. And equally, these um, short-term equity loans and things will just get put into to shares at a later state. I mean, I don't think, you know, you're looking at a boardroom, in the region of, of committed, you know, somewhere between 60 to 80 million pounds and stuff like that. And people are saying, you know, at some point they'll want this back and they'll make their money back. Who, Where are they going to make their money back? They're not. They're, nobody's going to come and buy this club for 100 million. There's nobody out there that's going to do that. And there's nobody out there that the club or, or that this boardroom would sell to that would be willing to do that without coming in and completely ripping it to bits and asset stripping the way that, that um, you know, recent people have been linked with us would have done. So, I don't, you know, as a fan base, we should ask questions. I think that's prominent. But we should always learn from what's happened in the past. But I'm not going to get overly bothered by every time there's a wee bit of share issue and money coming into the club. The fact that money's coming into the club is a positive thing. We're not in a state where we need to worry about finances or, or what's entirely going on. You know, we need to be, I don't have an issue with our money situation. I have an issue with how we're spending it on wages and transfers and stuff. I think we need to be a lot better like that, Chris. But overall, am I worried about the board or, or the people financially that's there? Absolutely not. We've got a lot of very wealthy people on the board and behind us as well. So I don't have an issue with it. I, I get some people want to overanalyze everything, but for me, it's not an issue. Kenny, one thing where we are still spending money where we don't really want to be spending money is in the courtrooms. And it's been announced that Elite will go ahead and take Rangers to court because Rangers have, now I have to say apparently here because we don't know the facts yet, but the, the fact that Elite, who are in administration, have deemed it necessary to take Rangers to court, they must have a strong case, which relates to Rangers breaking the agreement with Hummel to go with Kistor. It's stuff like this that was, this has been going going for over a decade now, um, legal battles, and it's on the whole, it's been done behind the scenes and the fans haven't been too privy to it. But over the last couple of years, it's sort of kind of raised its ugly head. We've seen the cost of it and the accounts. It's just um, litigation after litigation after litigation. If it's not Mike Ashley, it's Cinch. If it's not Cinch, it's Elite. Um, I'm sure I'm missing one or two more. Uh, we just want this to fucking come to an end. But this looks like it's going to be another costly mistake at board level because, as I say, elite are in administration, so they're going to have to pay quite hefty costs just to take this to court, but they wouldn't do that without the prospect of a, a victory. Um, and the victory looks like it's going to be in the region of £6 million awarded to them if they win, of course. Uh, so we just need to hope Rangers have a, a, a great counter-argument, which... They've, they may very well do, but I'm just looking at the facts here. A company and administration spending an excess amount of money um, to uh, with, with the prospect of getting a lot of money in from that. Um, surely they wouldn't do that if, if they didn't think their chances of winning were high. So are you as annoyed about this as me? Because you, you just want all this shit put to bed. Because it's almost the elite issue isn't a legacy issue from 2012. It was created after 2012, which makes it all the more frustrating because all the legacy issues hopefully, touch wood, are kind of coming to an end now, and now we're creating new ones, and, and 
I'm not saying it's affecting us on the pitch, but when you're spending six, seven, eight million on litigation, that money could be invested elsewhere uh, within the club and it would be better off in the club rather than in the courtrooms. Well, look, I, I, don't re- I haven't read enough. I've just seen it. Uh, one of the lads in the group chat stick it up there. So I haven't actually particularly read it. Um, I, I was aware of it anyway. Um, listen, it, it is, it is, although you're saying it's not a legacy issue, it now is a legacy issue. It, it stems back for 2013, 2014 um, and everything that's come with it. The kit uh, or the merchandise scenario for Rangers has just been an absolute shit show for, for forever and a day now. And look, I, I don't really know um, what to say about it, to be honest with you. Apart from what I will say is we've mentioned this before at that board level, executive board level, we we really do need to change the menu. There's there's too many of them there making far too many mistakes. Now that I need to counterbalance that. I don't know enough about this to suggest that they have made any mistakes. I don't know. But what I will say is the repetitive nature of the mistakes that keep leading to court cases uh has been a concern for a decade, Chris. So I don't, I, apart from that, I don't really want to go over into it because I haven't read uh, the the latest information. So I'm not going to sit there and, and chat overly about something I don't particularly know too much about. But being, <laughs> being perfectly honest, I, I, I'm not surprised. Um, it just keeps happening. So it doesn't surprise me, Chris. Anything you want to add, Stevie? No, nah, not really. Just when I see... Uh... Rangers linked with a court case and somebody suing us are just going to automatically <laughs> go to the default that we'll lose that and how much will it cost us. So, nah, I mean, it is what it That's is. That's exactly it, isn't it, Stevie? It's, it's the kind of deflation you feel when you read it. It's <laughs> never ending. Yeah. I'm the same as you. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but, you know, talking seriously about it, you know, I just kind of wish that all this side would... Yeah would stop happening and that's why people have such an issue with the board and like Stuart Robertson and stuff like that fairly or unfairly because all they see is the same guys getting into the same issues countless times so I understand when people say that they're fed up of this and I think you know none of us are legally experts none of us could probably tell you the ins and outs of it but I think we all share the same feeling that it's just like again really and that's exactly where I am yeah no. Um, so that sums it up. Uh, a week uh, goes by and Rangers are filling podcasts all over the land with um, the good, the bad, the ugly and the nonsense. Um, never a dull moment. We do have a game at the weekend, as we've discussed. Aberdeen at Pataudry. Um It's three points. As I say, I think the important thing for Rangers is to continue momentum getting into the semi-final. But the big game is obviously next week and we will be covering it here as well. So um, before I go on thanking my guests, I'm actually going to bring in producer Andrew here because we have a wee exclusive for you. Um, Andrew was actually in London. You might have seen on social media some other Rangers uh, fan media were invited to London. Um, there was some uh, mystery surrounding us to why that was um, and producer Andrew is going to explain why well first of all Andrew actually stays in London so it wasn't a holiday for him it wasn't a jolly uh, he literally got out of his bed and walked around the corner 10 minutes to arrive at the venue um, so lucky him but there was there was a, an invitation there was a reason um, and Andrew um, the floor is now yours mate first of all I need to correct you Chris um, 
I am. I, I don't know what interpretation you have about my personal situation, but <laughs> I certainly didn't roll out of bed and walk ten minutes down the road. I I cannot afford to stay in the centre of London. Like I like if I were a billionaire, you'd never see me, man. Like I'm I'm living on a beach somewhere. Um, as much as I love having these chats with you guys, like if I'm if I've got a house in the middle of London, my my life is totally different. You know, I wouldn't have had to do this over my lunch break. <laughs> um so uh we uh we got an email in to the podcast email address contact at satnet3.co.uk or letters no numbers just in case anyone wants that um which was asking us if we'd be interested in going down to participate in a fans debate um produced by the guys who do the overlap which is uh gary neville's production company they do uh, youtube shows with debates with neville and um jamie carrier various other different uh, kind of personalities from around football. Um, obviously, this is last minute. So when uh, Idi, who looks after the email address, came with this to us, um, threw it into the group chat, uh, I think he had to correct himself because he asked if anyone was free. I think Kenny stuck his hand up immediately because he's good like that. And then Idi <laughs> had to clarify, well, actually, it's something in London. So really kind of looking at Tom or Andrew here. Um, so... What this was, was a panel show debate type thing that they wanted to do, which involved fans from both Rangers and Celtic coming on to do a show with Ali McCoy and Chris Sutton, uh, previewing the Scottish Cup semi-final. So an opportunity to meet Ali McCoy? Absolutely. No, no doubt in my mind that I'd be going down to do that. Um, the way that they set this up was uh, we'd had... McCoy and Sutton on one side, and then all the fans mixed together. So not only myself, but a couple of other Rangers podcasts, as well as some Celtic podcasts, which was a delight. Um, on the other side, all mixed in together, what would happen is presenter would ask Ali and Sutton a question, they debate it, and then they flip over to us and get our input as well. Um, very, very surreal to be doing that. Uh, we... I think kept it relatively civil we were told by the producers beforehand that it had to be kept civil because obviously if it wasn't it wasn't going on the air um there were obviously from the celtic side of things a lot of questions about well rangers finances you know they're atrocious which i suspect might end up getting cut for time um and yeah the plan is that that will go up i think monday uh next week so just after the aberdeen game and yeah, we'll see what comes out of it in the edit. But I mean, yeah, uh, Chris, I, I, I've told the story to both you guys as well as, you know, my, my friends and family down here as well. So I'm not totally sure what else you want me to talk about for this bit. But yeah, the only other thing I, I do want to stress is that Alan McCoist was obviously a stand up gentlemen throughout the entire thing pictures and handshakes all around uh even for the celtic podcast guys who still wanted to get pictures with him for some reason uh sutton was sutton so his normal uh self uh in terms of that i think it was clear from how he acts a lot of what he does on camera is for the benefit of being on camera uh certainly plays up to it but mcquist was an absolute natural uh certainly uh a great fit for for this kind of thing and uh yeah he was just absolutely quality with every single person there so it was all it's all very exciting it's all very exciting what i want to say is like for guys like myself kenny and stevie 
we're all in the vicinity of Glasgow, so literally I'm in Paisley, right, and I can be Ibrox in 10 minutes, same with Kenny and same with Stevie. Uh, in the car, we're in Ibrox in 10 minutes. We take that for granted. Uh, we're kind of desensitised to that a little bit because there's guys like yourself, Andrew, born in America to Scottish parents, dad's a Rangers fan for all his life, you're then moved to London, so you've kind of, you've stayed about, but you've never actually stayed in Scotland, but you've always been a Rangers fan, so you're not exposed to this kind of stuff very often, so I have to say, mate, that um, I'm so happy for you that you got to experience something like that, I'm so happy that you got to meet Ali, and um, I know it's something that you don't get the opportunity to do often enough. You would love to come to Ibrox more often. It's a kind of once in a blue moon thing for you because of obviously work commitments, location, all this kind of stuff. Um, so for you to experience that, um, th- th- there is no um, better person for that uh, in, in this in this situation for, for me. So I'm, I'm honestly, I'm over the moon for you, mate. Um, Stevie, I'm going to say that you declined this invite because I know you were invited uh, to this as well and you declined this because being civil to Chris Sutton just was not something that you're even capable of doing, I think. So is that fair to say? Aye, that's fair to say. <laughs> um, plus, it involved me having to like travel and go places and like, leave my house. So all of these things meant it was a definite no-no to me. And I'm, look, Chris... I'm already best friends with Ali McCoy, so <laughs> it's uh, you know I just text Ali and say I'm not coming because it's too much effort. No, as I say, I just want to re-emphasise that point. Guys like myself, Stevie, and Kenny, we, we honestly we don't realise how lucky we are because there's Rangers fans all over the world that would love to be able to just. Just go to Ibrox and just sit there and take it in. Um, even if, if it's empty, just outside Ibrox. Whereas, I, as I say, I could go and do that right now if I wanted. Um, and I probably won't. And Andrew, you're probably thinking to yourself, you're jammy, lucky bastard. And, and I get that. So it's... it's, it's, it's I, will, I will say that. like every So every time I do go out to Ibrox, and it is, as you say, far less often than I'd like. It is special to me every time coming up. Um I mean, the, the first time I went up was uh, with my old man when I was maybe eight uh, and I watched Hearts beat Rangers 4-0, which was just a fantastic first experience uh, coming up to see the see the, see the boys. So um, I, I remember actually all of his mates wanted me to, uh, all of his non-Rangers supporting mates wanted me brought up there, you know, every week if it was going to be that, that good for them. So, no, I mean, it, it, it was utterly bizarre um as an experience not only just you know meeting Ali which was brand new I mean that was just fantastic but uh just the the way you know seeing how sausage is made seeing how this stuff is filmed and all put together fascinating stuff and um I'm hopeful that you know I represented the pod relatively well and hopefully some of uh some of my bits actually make it to air uh whenever it comes out I see we will be releasing everything that the, the footage as it is released, we will be obviously tweeting out and stuff like that. So um you, you we won't obviously miss that and neither neither will you the listener. But I um Andrew, as I say, I'm really happy for you and I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. But um just before I thank my guests, as always, um if you could support the podcast by like liking, following or subscribing to us and all social media platforms that we're on. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and Andrew uh, already provided the email address so if you can continue to do that it would be very much appreciated um so Kenny thanks very much mate thanks Chris enjoyed that 
brilliant for Andrew and thank you to Stevie. Brilliant, great night. And uh, Stevie, uh, you'll be on this again same time next year. That's so harsh. That's so harsh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> so uh, no, listen, thanks for having us on. Thanks for inviting us on. Sorry it was such a long show, but when people pull the thread and ask me about Ross Wilson and Ben Davis, then that's what happens. <laughs> I knew exactly what I was doing, mate. Um, no, Stevie, I appreciate it, mate. I know you're very busy. Um, if you're not working, you're with the kids, and if you're not with the kids, you're doing something Rangers-related. So I know that you're a very busy man, so I appreciate you giving me your time tonight. And uh, thank you to the listeners as well. We will be back next week uh, looking back on the Aberdeen game and then looking forward to the Celtic uh, semi-final uh, Scottish Cup semi-final at Hamden next Sunday as well so join us for then thank you very much